What's up, Ignition? We are in the final week of our series called The Devil's Game. Someone turn to your neighbor and be like, say it like really spooky, The Devil's Game. Okay, like just creep them out. If you're sitting next to people that you don't know, you don't have to do that. That's weird. That's a very awkward thing. Um, But what we've been talking about through this whole series is how uh, the enemy of God, the enemy of God, he doesn't really like us. Because did you know this? You're made in God's image. You are made to reflect God's love and his goodness into the world. And so since he doesn't like God, he doesn't really like us. And so he, what he does is he will lie to us and, and he'll tempt us and he'll accuse us. And he does this in all sorts of ways. He'll lie and he'll tempt and he'll accuse and lie and tempt and accuse in an effort to not only ruin things in our life and in our world, but also to, to separate us from God and from ourselves, our true selves. Separate us from one another. And if there's, uh, we talked about lots of different ways that uh, God's enemy, the devil, will, will do this. But, uh, and if you're here and you're new and you're like, wow, they're really like keen on the devil. Uh, you've heard that expression, right, where it's like, keep your friends close, keep your enemies closer. Okay, it's sort of like that, but really what we're doing in this series is we're looking at, okay, if we're going to come up against, if we're going to come up against temptations and lies in this world. And whether they're from Satan himself or whether it's just the, the world and the culture that we live in, those lies and those temptations, they hurt us, don't they? And we've talked about all sorts of them. And tonight we're going to talk about money. Money. Everyone say money. Money. How many of you would like to have a lot of money? Just raise your hand. It's okay. It's okay. Me too. That would be cool to have a lot of money. I'm a pastor. It's not really in my, like, career. Uh, you know, it's not built in. Um, so in terms of, like, being the next Elon Musk, that's probably just not in my, for multiple reasons, that's not in my uh, ballpark. And we're going to talk about money. But uh, I want to first, before we do that, look at this principle of life together. And, and this is the, a big idea that I want you to write down and uh, write it in your notes. What we seek most, what we seek most, shows what we believe matters most. What we seek most shows what we believe matters most. When I was in seventh grade, what I was seeking most was a girlfriend. And is that what mattered most to me, what I thought was the most important thing in the world? Absolutely. That was 100% seventh grade Nick. A girlfriend was the most important thing that I could find, and I believed that. I really did believe that. I mean, like, no, it wasn't Michelle because I wasn't married to her yet, okay? Like, yeah, because I was in seventh grade, all right? So it's okay not to be married in seventh grade, right? Don't say no. That's (laughs) gross. Okay, that's weird. Can we go on with this sermon, please? I should not have responded. Is that Josie back there? Is that you? Uh, Yeah. Anyway, uh, what we seek most, what we seek most, it shows what we believe matters most. Here's a question for you. Which one do you seek more? Do you seek connection with God more? Or the security that money will provide? And you might say, I'm in school. I don't really like seek money. Maybe I got my part-time job or whatever. How about those grades that you're getting to get into that college so you can get that job so you can make what? Money? Or maybe it's not like money. Maybe it's just the things that money can buy. It's like, well, if I get to wear those brands or if one day I could own that car or, uh, you know, 
you know what the research says about your generation? There, people research you. I don't know if you know this. People like are watching you. Did you know people are watching you? Yeah, your phones, they're watching you. They are. Uh, it's not a conspiracy theory. They really are watching. Uh, that's just a fact. And so, so as they're watching you, they've noticed something about you, that financial security is one of the most important markers for your generation for becoming an adult. Your generation thinks as soon as I'm financially independent and secure, that's what makes me mature. And so there's all sorts of ways that we seek money. Because the money gives us security, or the money gives us power, the money gets, gets us in that circle of people that we would like to be in, or it gets us something that we think is going to give us life. And of course, money isn't the problem. The problem is that when we put money in the wrong place, when we give too much trust to money, well, you've heard the stories, right? You know what happens to people, right? And so what if, what if in high school, instead of just buying into all the things that our culture says about money, by the way, did you know the people that tell you stuff about money in our culture are telling you that so they can make money? Has anyone ever told you that? Do you think, do you really think that the billionaires on YouTube are actually putting their advice out there for you and everybody else just to do? They're not. They're saying things to get attention because attention gives them income. And if everyone did the thing that they were doing, they'd all be rich too. See, the truth is there's all sorts of lies, there's all sorts of deception, there's all sorts of, of, of temptations that we fall into about this. And, and here's one, here's one. Uh, so this is a temptation. I want you to write it down. A bit more and then I'll be satisfied. Just a bit more and then I'll be satisfied. Now, I really, I really hope that you're not, uh, like, you're not the next person on Breaking Bad. All right, like you're, you're not like, I just need to get out of some debt, and then, oh, actually, I can make a lot of money cooking up drugs. I hope that's not you. If it is, stop. Just please, stop. You're not Walter. You're not one. You're not that tough. You're not that cool. And if you're a Christian and watching that show, shame on you. No, I watched it, too. I, I shouldn't admit that. Uh, it's inappropriate, though, right? Can I get an amen from somebody? Can we just agree that th there's a lot that's not good, not good in that show? And I don't want, same with vampire, what are you even talking about, vampire diaries? Anyway, a bit more, a bit more, and I'll be satisfied. How much is enough? Turn to your neighbor and tell them how much you think would be enough. Go ahead and just tell them right now. How much money do you need to make every year when you're an adult so that you can be living the life that you want to live? Go ahead and just tell them right now. What do you think? What do you think? 42K. Someone said 42K. Does anyone have a higher number than that? Yeah, Josie is really talkative tonight. God's love. Oh, you've you got a preacher out there. Did you know that the science actually says, this, the, this uh, sociological and psychological science says that no matter how much you make, a bit more feels more secure. And if a bit more feels more secure then you're not going to be satisfied with what you have. And so what you need to do, instead of saying, oh, I just need a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more, according to, to Scripture, we see this uh, from, from the passage that was uh, read just a, a moment ago, uh, that contentment, contentment, you know what contentment is? 
Contentment's like, hey, what I got, I feel really great with that. No matter what the amount is. Whether you're living like, like Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk or you're living very different. Let's be honest, most all of us are living very different. But whether you live on that part of town or that other part of town, contentment, contentment is the ability to say, okay, here's where I'm at and I can find the joy that's here. In fact, the scripture says this, yet true godliness, so living a life in the way that God has designed us to live it, to living a, living a life filled with love and relationships and connection to God and connection to others, noticing all of those little things. You guys heard in Katie's testimony how she's been going through so many different things in her life, and, and yet God has given her these, these moments along the way that have shown her how he has made beauty, even in the middle of her challenges. See, true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. How many of you know someone who's rich? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. If you're like, wow, wow, okay, they, they just have a lot of money. How many of you know someone who's rich but not happy? Go ahead and raise your hand for them too. Me too. Me too. It's not hard to find that. But here's a question. If we know that money doesn't buy happiness, and I've seen the sign, but money buys pizza, and pizza is happiness. Like, I've seen it. I know. If we know money doesn't buy happiness, why are we living like it does? What if we did something else? Because godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. You could be broke and still have great wealth. Here, let's go to number two. This is another temptation that we face about money. Here's one. Debt is wise. Debt is wise. I found this picture. Someone who was graduating from college. They said, this is my $105,000 hat. Would you pay that much for that hat? Woo, some of you will pay more. Some of you will pay more. Now, here's, here's the thing. The world says that debt is essential. And in fact, if you want to get rich, you have to use debt. Maybe you could get super rich if you have a lot of money, but that doesn't work for 80% of the population. Or more. See, debt is not necessarily a sin. It's not necessarily like you're not a bad person if you have debt. I have a credit card, you know, like and that's that's what that is. But debt is where we take money that we don't have and we spend it on oftentimes things we don't need. A home or an education is one thing. Having a, a shopping addiction is another. If we spend it on things that we don't need to impress people that we don't like, then what are we really even doing? It's not going to be helping our life. It's not going to bring happiness to our life. It's really just going to be just a temporary, momentary blip of joy with lots of frustration later. The Bible goes on and on and on to say that debt is not the way for God's people. And so you're not like a sinner if you have debt, but debt isn't something that you just let live in your life. You pay your debts. You, you get rid of your debts. And in fact, this is the response instead of debt. And so there's something better than debt. Margin. Everyone say margin. margin. Margarine? Is that like the stuff that's not butter? It's not quite butter? No. Margin. That's where like, like if you make this much, okay, and then you spend this much, mm -mm, that's a recipe for sadness in your life. But if you make this much, and then you spend this much, 
Now you have margin. And you know what margin means? Margin means peace. The ability to live below your means and not just to match everybody else will set you free when you get to college or to whatever's after high school. It will give you so much more peace than the majority of the people around you. The ability to create margin is a huge deal. In fact, look what it says. But people who long to be rich, I I just desire to live that life. I just want that now. Everybody else has that now. I long to live this life of luxury. They long to be rich and they fall into temptation and they're trapped. They're trapped. Trapped by many foolish and harmful desires and it plunges them into lots of happiness. No, it plunges them into destruction, ruin and destruction. Here's the thing. Uh, You're not a bad person if you have debt, but I want to tell you maybe before you have a lot, maybe try not to have too much. The less debt in your life and the more margin in your life, the more peace you'll have in your life. The more peace that you'll have. A lot of people want to have money, So they can have peace. You can have peace no matter how much money you have. But if you believe I need to have a certain amount or if you believe I need to have a certain lifestyle even though I can't afford it in order to be happy or in order to have peace and security, you're going to create a trap for yourself. Here's the third temptation, and I hear this one a lot, especially in churches. It's that money is bad. So when I was thinking, like, who are, like, who are the people that, like, have... I don't know, they're, they're portrayed as rich characters in movies, and they're always the bad guy. The bad guy is always rich in some way, right? It's like a rich evil scientist, or I thought the Draco Malfoy family, okay? Uh, and here they are on all their wealthy wizardry, uh, and, you know, this is like Satan personified or something like that in Harry Potter. Are there any Harry Potter fans out there? You can admit that in church. It's okay. Uh, and then there's Dr. Evil. He wants $1 million, Okay. I see some of you with your pinky up right now. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, here's the thing. Money's not bad. And people that have money, if you just assume they're bad, that's prejudiced. It's prejudiced. You have prejudged them. Did you know that God, he will oftentimes use someone with a lot of means to do a lot of meaningful things in the world. In fact, some of you, you're going to make a lot of money someday. Some of you are going to make way more money than me, and you're going to use that money to do something amazing. It won't just be all about you. It won't just be all about your luxury and your status. See, it's it's really not about the amount of money that someone has or the amount of money that someone makes. It's really about the heart. The heart is always, always greater and more important than the amount. Jesus, he tells, uh, or didn't tell a story. This actually happened. He was uh, preaching in a synagogue, and this uh, widow who was just broke, had nothing to live on. She comes up, and she's got, she's got one coin. And she puts it in the offering, and Jesus is like, he goes over to the did you see that? And they're like, what? She put a coin in the offering. Everybody's putting a coin in the offering. He's like, no, 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 she had nothing, and she put a coin in the offering. Because her heart is so for God, 
She wanted to give that. No one pressured her. No one, no one tried to get her to give money that she shouldn't give. She just wanted to because of her love. And it was all about the heart, not about the amount. See, it's not money that's bad. The Bible says, for the love of money. Everyone say, love of money. The love of money. It's the root of all kinds of evil. All kinds of evil. And so we face these temptations. And one, one more I want to tell you about. And it's about generosity. It's about giving. Giving's great when you have enough to give. Giving's awesome. You know, it's, it's wonderful. And when I have a surplus, I would love to be generous with that someday. Someday, when I'm, when I'm 68, I've retired. I've been retired for a number of years, and, you know, I'm sitting on my nice nest egg, and I'm, I'm you know, doing the snowbird thing, and I'm just, like, living my life, and I'll be like, oh, yeah, I'm supposed to give some money, and then it's going to be great. Did you know, did you know that you're not great because you give? Being a generous person is just who you are. Because you belong to a God who's generous. You're not Mr. Krabs, okay? This is not who God made you to be. Where it's just like money, 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 and he's just like abusing his employees, okay? He's just all about that dollar. Or that Ebenezer Scrooge at Christmas time where he's just so stingy. Why are they stingy? Why are they hoarding? Why aren't they generous? It's because no matter how much money they get, they still don't feel secure. And they've become proud. The Bible, it says, in fact, Paul, he's writing uh, a letter to his protege, Timothy, who, by the way, was not much older than any of you seniors here. And he was leading a church in Ephesus, which is in, in the Middle East. You can still go there today. You can go to, like, where they met for church. And there were more people in that church, or not more, there was about the same amount of people in that church as there are at Lutheran Church of Hope. Imagine doing that a couple years out of, out of high school. That was your job. And so he was taking any advice he could get. Because he, he didn't know what he was doing. He's like, Paul, help me out. And Paul, he says, you know what you need to do is you need to teach the people that, that have money. You, you just need to teach them not so that, like, you can get a bunch of money. No, Timothy, he suffered in his role as a pastor. But teach him that real riches... It's not if you have a lot. You're rich when you're rich in good works. You're rich when you can do things that matter to others. You're rich when you can take care of somebody else. You're rich when you're generous to somebody else. You're rich when you have received God's love so it pours out of you to others. That's real riches. And what you seek the most shows what you believe matters the most. So, be rich, Ignition. Be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. And look what it says in the next verse about how giving is so much, or giving is greater than receiving. By doing this, 
by doing this, he's talking about talking to those rich people. He's like, hey, and by the way, do you know who those rich people are? That's us. You're like, I don't have a job. I have a, I have a checking account, but I don't even know where my debit card is, okay? I live off of my mom's Venmo, all right? I get it. But did you know that you have, you're a part of, of a community and a part of the world that has so many more blessings and abilities and advantages, and it doesn't always come down to the dollars in your pocket. It can come down to the time that you have. It can come down to the uh, opportunities that you're given that so often we take for granted. And by doing this, by giving, taking care of others, being rich in good works, they'll be storing up their treasure. You know what storing up means? It's the same kind of thing for like when you store up in a savings account, when you're piling up all your money and you're going to jump into it like, like Scrooge McDuck, okay? Storing up not your dollar bills, but storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future. You know what future that is? The future here on earth, but also your eternal future. Because the good works that we do here on earth, they are connected to eternity. And here's the kicker. I don't want you to miss this part. If you try to get a bunch of money so you can be happy, you won't be happy. Promise. There'll be some fun parts along the way, a lot of stress, and then you won't be able to trust anyone, not even your family, if their motives are pure. But if you make a little money or a lot of money and you seek to bring the kingdom of heaven here on this planet and to do good and to share God's love, you will be rich whether you have a lot of money in the bank or just a little money in the bank. And my friends, if you do this, you're building up a foundation that everybody wants money to do this thing, but this isn't what does it, so that they may experience true life. Your bank account is not the key to true life. It's your love for other people. It's your love for other people. And God gives us love and he gives us money and he gives us time and he gives us all, all these resources in our life. Not so that we can hoard them up and feel really good about ourselves or feel like we're more important than somebody else. But so that we can bless somebody else. And when you become a blessing to somebody else, that's when you're rich. That's when you're rich. And you're ready to be a blessing when you've received the riches of God and his love. So here's a really practical way that we're going to do this as a community. If you feel called to, you don't have to. Uh, but we're going to participate in Hope's Lenten Project. We're reading the Bible in, in a year uh, across our whole church. We're all, we're all uh, doing this. And there's a lot of Indian folks in our community here at Hope. And did you know that the country of India, uh, Christians are actually persecuted? You can, if you went to a gathering like this in India, you could suffer violence. And there's even legislation that exists there where it, 
legitimizes the violence against Christians? It's a little different here, isn't it? We're blessed. We have, a, we have some riches and some freedom. And so that country, as large as it is, is huge. Did you know it's less than one half of percent Christian? Less than one half of a percent knows the good news of God's love for them. And so since we get to experience the Bible anytime, we, we could just pull our phone out. They don't have that opportunity. So what we're going to do is we're going to buy them Bibles. And you know how much a Bible costs? How much does it cost? Two bucks. Two bucks. And here's the deal. If you're like, look, my heart's not in it. That's not my thing. Then don't. For real. I'm serious. Don't. I don't want you to feel any pressure whatsoever. The Bible even says if someone ever pressures you to give, then don't. God loves when we can give cheerfully. And so if you feel excited, like, yes, I'm going to bring two bucks. I'm going to bring more than two. I got more than two bucks to give. I could buy ten Bibles or, or however many Bibles, whatever. Or maybe I'm going to do a whole shift at my part-time job. And I'm just buying Bibles for kids in India, okay? Because they need to know the things that I get to know. The things that I even take for granted sometimes. And what if ignition? We didn't just talk about God's word going out. We actually saw it go out across the globe because we had a couple bucks and those couple bucks weren't about us they weren't meant for us but you know what happens when you take a couple bucks and you turn it into a bible that's for someone that's never heard about God's love for them can you imagine this? just imagine it someday we're all in heaven and we get together and we're like, what's up? You were part of ignition. I was a part of ignition. Look at us. Like, our bodies are, like, all fixed. I'm not sick anymore. I'm not dealing with that thing anymore. Like, hey, this is amazing. Like, and everything Pastor Nick said was right. Well, most of the stuff, some of his opinions, they were whatever. But the God's word stuff that he said, that was right. That whoa, You wouldn't even believe it, right? But it, it was. And then you see someone walking up to you with brown skin that you've never seen before. And they have a little Bible in their hand. And they say, there's no way that you could know this. But you gave me this. And that's why I'm here. That's why I get to experience God's love. And that makes us family. And so I want to encourage you, pray about it. Pray about it. Do you want to be a, a part of that? Do you want to uh, contribute to that? And if you're like, look, I don't have two bucks. I got a penny, though. Put your penny in. That's great, man, because here's the deal. God's word, it goes out, and it doesn't come back empty. And if there's one thing that I wish that every single person could remember, especially those moments when they're feeling insecure or feeling like I just have to have that or just a little bit more or then I'll be satisfied or all these temptations that we face, I wish that we all could remember, especially me, I wish I could remember this. Time runs out, money runs out, life runs out, friends run out, family runs out, everything runs out. But God will never run out. God will never run out. He'll never run out on you, and his love will never run out for you, and his presence is always there for you. It will never run out. And so you have everything that you need right now to be rich. So let me ask you one more time. What are you seeking most? 
Because what you seek most, well, that tells you what you think matters most. And God is seeking you. Because he thinks you matter most. His love will never run out for you. His provision will never run out for you. So build your life not on money. Dream big. Go make a lot of money. But do it standing on a foundation that's way better than a bank account. Do it on the foundation of his love. Amen? Amen. We're going to have the band come down here. They're going to sing this song. It's called, I Will Build My Life. And as they sing this song, I want you to to turn this song into a prayer. A prayer where you're you're saying to God, like, God, I want to build my life on something that's firm. I want to build my life on something that lasts. I want to build my life on something that's trustworthy. And that's you. And so as we build, or as we sing this song, pray this song to God. After we do that, we'll head to small groups and we'll talk more about our money.